Uh, welcome Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri. We're with you live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. You can get in touch with the program a couple different ways. You can tweet me at Joey Alfieri. You can also text in at 11690 and be more than happy to read uh, your text messages. Uh, big show today. We'll talk Impact. Impact back in action on TSN 690 tomorrow night against the New York Red Bulls. That's at Red Bull Arena. And to talk about that, we will talk to Vasily Kremenzidis. He's the Impact's assistant sporting director. Uh, they were reportedly in the running to reacquire uh, or to acquire big-name midfielder Kevin Prince Boateng. So we'll talk to Vasily about that and more at 11 o'clock. Also, really excited to talk football and hear some old war stories from former Alouette's all-star linebacker Timothy Strickland will join us from Memphis, Tennessee, uh, just after 11.30. And uh, my go-to follow for hockey analytics on Twitter is a man by the name of Jason Paul of Wave Intel. We'll talk Habs and how they look from a number standpoint. I promise we'll keep it simple and easy for you to understand. Uh, that's going to go uh, just after 10.30. Tampa Bay Lightning, one win away from hoisting the Stanley Cup. Was it a penalty on Jamie Benn in overtime? Was it not? I'll tell you in a little bit. But I do want to start off uh, with some uh, Jeff Petrie talk. It was yesterday, uh, early-ish afternoon, when we found out that the uh, Canadians in Jeff Petrie's camp reached an agreement on an extension, four years, $6.25 million. And uh, that's where our uh, Saturday sports question of the day comes from. And it's, uh, I mean, it's it's fairly straightforward as it usually is, and it's very simply, how do you feel about Jeff Petrie's extension? You can vote at Joey Alfieri on Twitter and at TSN 690 as well. Uh, you've got four options. Bargain for the Habs. Perfectly fair for both sides. Too much money, too much term. Uh, so we'll get the results of that later on. Uh, but that's where I want to start. I want to give you my opinion on that. Uh, when I first saw the deal come through, the first thought I had was, it's a reasonable deal. I thought it was one year too long because he does still have a year left on this deal. So that means that in all, you know, the Canadians have a five-year commitment uh, to Jeff Petrie. But I'm I'm a big fan of Jeff Petrie and the way that he plays. Uh, I, I have a lot of time for him. I, I think he's still uh, one of the more underappreciated players in the NHL. I think people in Montreal have finally come to... You know, they figured out how valuable he is, especially, you know, when Shea Weber misses all that time. You know, Jeff Petrie's been forced into a number one defenseman type of role. And I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's what he is. I don't think he's a number one. But I think on a lot of teams, he'd be a top pairing guy. And it just so happens that in Montreal, he's the second right-handed defenseman on the team. Uh, but we saw in the playoffs, he came up big. He had a couple game-winning goals. Uh, we saw that, you know, he was able to log some big minutes with Shea Weber and Ben Chirot. So even though I thought it was one year too long, I would have liked to have seen it at, you know, a three-year extension. I certainly understand, you know, from a, from a Petrie standpoint, wanting the extra year. Uh, this is probably the, the last big deal uh, that he is going to get. And he's coming off, you know, a fairly big one. He got, it was a six-year extension with Montreal at five and a half million. And now he gets a, an increase in pay of, uh, you know, under a million dollars, 750000 So uh, I realize, again, uh, for me, it was just a little bit too much term, but I realize that the Canadians, you know, you have to give if you want to bring somebody back, and so you might have to compromise on certain things. So I'm, I'm actually okay uh, with the way it went, but my initial instinct was uh, just uh, maybe one year too many. I'm fine with the money, 625 I'm good with it. That's what I think he's worth. 
you know, on, on the open market, I think maybe he can fetch even a little bit more than that. But we don't know what the economics of hockey are going to look like. Will they have fans in the stands? Will the cap go up from $81.5 million, uh, that it's going to be at uh, for this year and next season and the uh, for next season and the year after that. Uh, so for the next two seasons, it looks like it's going to be locked in at $81.5 million. Maybe that changes. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, but again, it's all tied to hockey-related revenue. So yeah, I, I, I'm fine with the deal. I think you look at what Jeff Petrie brings uh, to the Montreal Canadiens. He's a bigger body. Not the most physical guy, but I don't think he shies away from contact either. But when you surround yourself, you know, when the Canadians surround him with Joel Edmondson, who uh, we heard from uh, at his you know conference call last week, who basically said the plan was for him and Jeff Petrie to play together. Uh, you have Shea Weber, Ben Chirot, uh, that can throw their weight around as well. Uh, youngster and Kill Flurry, we've seen him uh, dish out some punishment too. So I mean, it's not like the Canadians need Jeff Petrie to be the big physical rugged. Def- I mean, they already have that. Like they have that elsewhere. And and anyway, he's not shy. You know, he's not shy about delivering contact. We saw him get into it, mix it up a couple times in both series. Uh, during the playoffs and the play-in tournament. So not worried about that. But in terms of moving the puck, uh, helping out on a power play that already you know that already struggles, uh, yeah, I think Jeff Petrie brings you, I think you know what Jeff Petrie is going to bring you. His, his numbers have been pretty consistent. Uh, he's been double-digit goals and 40-plus points over the last three seasons. Uh, like we said, he's logging big minutes. I'm, I'm good with the Jeff Petrie deal. And I think for the most part, I think fans are pretty happy with it too. There were many things that that played into to ultimately uh, signing this this deal. I mean, there was um, you know factors of of term, family, uh, dollars. So um, you know, I think overall um, we reached a um, you know my wife and I we reached a a comfortable position that we we felt was um, you know good for us. Um, being comfortable where we live, um, knowing, you know, knowing, um, you know, how much, you know, I enjoy playing for this organization, how, how the organization has, you know, treated my wife and my family. Um, so that all, that all had to, had to do with the, with the decision during the negotiations. It was, we didn't, we didn't have any of those conversations. We, we, we had a good chat at the end of the, um, at the end of the year. Um, and I'm in my, exit meeting and um you know i think we we or i expressed what what i thought and he asked for my opinions and um you know i think you know the the two ma- two uh moves that he's made so far with uh you know adding um alan on the to to be with pricer back there i think that's a um you know a great great addition um you know especially with you know, the potential of playing a condensed um, schedule next year. And then, you know, I think strengthening our, our defense and, and getting a little bit bigger on the back end is, is also a uh, positive and, and adding um, uh, Edmondson as well. So, um, you know, I know there's, uh, you know, still improvements that can be made throughout, you know, whether it's within, within our, um, within our club and guys, um, you know, our, our, our style are playing. Uh, but I think, you know, I think it's, it's definitely a, a, a step forward. There's Jeff Petrie's zoom call from yesterday, uh, talking about uh, why he decided to resign at this point with the Canadians. And then also they're following up 
uh, just talking about uh, the improvements because we know the, the improvements of the Canadians roster uh, that have been made and that still need to be made. We remember Jeff Petrie uh, at the end of the season once the Canadians were eliminated by the Flyers, uh, very vocal about the team uh, needing to find some size up front. I'm pretty sure he mentioned in particular, but look, I mean, they, they have made some smart decisions. You know, you got to give Mark Bergevin credit. I know that they've tied up considerable amounts of money into their goaltending, but I like the Jake Allen move. You know, still a still a fan of that, and it's just on a one-year deal, and that's a big part of it. And the Joel Edmondson signing, you know, I don't think he's a world beater by any means, but he does add some toughness and does add some size to the back end. And, you know, now in the Stanley Cup Finals, you're starting to see, you know, a few more goals. And I think that's just because of the, you know, condensed schedule and, you know, guys are, are mentally, I think they're done. Um just being in that bubble and away from family and all that stuff. So you're starting to see a few more goals, but as the playoffs went on, and even in the Canadian series against Philadelphia, you saw how condensed it got and how tight it was and how many of the goals came off you know, traffic in front of the net. So now that you have guys like Weber and Sherrod and Edmondson and Petrie, guys that can have the ability to, to clear the front of the net, you know, you want to make life as easy as possible for your goaltender. So that's where I think, you know, the Edmondson signing, you know, helps them in that regard as well. And it definitely makes them uh, tougher to play against. And now they've brought back Jeff Petrie. They've made a couple little moves. Uh, yesterday they signed Joseph Blindisi, but that's, you know, organizational depth. Uh, he's going to be a Laval Rocket. Uh, Jake Evans uh, earlier this week got the uh, two-year deal with the Canadians uh, next year to two-way contract, meaning that he'll make uh, one salary if he's in the NHL and he'll make less if he's in the AHL. So that tells me that maybe at the right price they're looking to bring in somebody to center that fourth line. So that's another move that they can potentially make. Uh, and now you have the, the re-signing of Jeff Petrie, uh, which I think is a really good one. Uh, what I'm interested to see now, I mean, clearly uh, we know about the, the guys that are up at the end of next season. Uh, Thomas Tatar, Brendan Gallagher, Philip Deneau. I just wonder who's next, right? Like if the Canadians are open to, to signing Petrie, that means that they're probably open to doing business with at least one of those three players. Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't think they need to see, you know, have another year of Brendan Gallagher to know what Brendan Gallagher brings to the table. I think they realize what that is. So if the two sides can agree, I don't, you know, I don't see how uh, the Canadians wouldn't get this done ahead of time. And uh, same for Phil Deneau. I think they realize what they have in Phil Deneau. Of course, uh, we also saw that uh, he wasn't happy with his role, the way it shook out in the playoffs as, as the series against the Flyers wore on. He played more of a checking line role with Byron and Lekkinen. So, you know, I think with those guys, you probably, if you can, you probably want to get them back at, you know, if, if assuming that, you know, you can come to terms on a contract, I think you want to bring those guys back ASAP. I don't think you want to see another season of Phil Deneau or another season of Brendan Gallagher to commit to them uh, on another long-term deal. With Thomas Tatar, it's an interesting one. Uh, he was the leading scorer for the team this year. And in the playoffs, a little more difficult for him. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt just because, you know, they did stop for for a few months and then they, they jumped right back into it and he just, he didn't look the same uh, or as good as he did, especially offensively in the, uh, as he did in the regular season. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, with free agency coming up and you're, you know, I wonder if they're going to tie in some money. Of course, there's a link to Taylor Hall. I'm still skeptical that... You know, these guys end up coming to, to Montreal or to Canada. It just seems like every year, you know, it was John Tavares a couple of years ago, and 
uh, Matt Duchesne a couple years ago. And, you know, I just, there's all this buildup and then it doesn't end up happening. So I'm still skeptical about Taylor Hall uh, becoming a Montreal Canadian. But if he's open to it, I'm sure the organization would listen. But we've always heard Mark Bergevin say it's not necessarily the dollars are the problem in free agency. It's the amount of term that you have to commit. And if Taylor Hall, if I was Taylor Hall, I'd be looking for a seven-year deal. Uh, I know that the cap has come down, but there's certain free agents like Hall, Krug, Pietrangelo that are going to be paid no matter what. You know, some of the middle-tier guys, they might have to take less money uh, because of the flat cap, but the high-end guys, I feel like they're going to get paid no matter what. And yeah, there's been rumblings. I know Gordon Miller's brought it up on Melnick in the afternoon a couple times of, you know, maybe Taylor Hall takes a shorter term deal, bets on himself, and then comes back, waits for the cap to go up, and then hits it big. Yeah, I don't, if I'm Taylor Hall, I'm just, I'm not doing that this time around. I'm, I'm not, especially given his injury history. So if I'm Hall in his camp, I'm coming out. I'm asking for either seven years if I hit the market or you do a sign and trade with Arizona where, you know, because right now Arizona is the only team that can offer him that eighth year. Uh, so if there's a, a team that he's willing to go to and that's willing to take him on, you know, maybe he signs an eight-year extension with Arizona as part of a sign and trade agreement. Uh, maybe we see that with Pietrangelo too. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious to see with free agency coming up on the ninth, you know, how much money the Canadians are going to dish out and what's left for Gallagher and Deneau specifically. And then we know that Thomas Tatar wants to be back. You know, can all three guys be back? Can you make the, the term and the money work for everybody? I don't think you can. But they do make up the team's first line. All three of those guys do. Deneau, uh, Gallagher, and Tatar for most of the last two seasons. So losing two of them would be, that's a tough pill to swallow. And personally, I just, I can't picture Gallagher leaving or going elsewhere or the organization you know letting that happen so the most intriguing one to me is the no uh just because you know that the the long-term commitment to the canadians was kind of put into question on his part if the role wasn't going to change and i think they can find him a, a role where he'd be happy you know longer term and especially in the short term because you know you just you never know i think suzuki's great i really like what i saw from kotkin yemi but I mean, over the course of a full season, whether it's 82 games or not, it's going to be a condensed schedule next year. I don't know if Kotkaniemi is going to give you the same type of production and physicality that he did in the playoffs. So I think Phil Deneau has a role. But that's the intriguing one because we know Tatar wants to be back. He's had success here. Can they get Deneau done? Can they pay him enough money? Can they find enough money, enough term, and enough of a role to make him happy? The big decisions are, you know, are out of my hands. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, I've talked to the guy like Galley um, um, throughout this whole process, and, um, you know, I think he's a he's a key guy to this team. And, um, you know, guys like guys like Phil, um, you know, have who have been here and have played crucial roles. Um, you know, I think that's that's an important. Uh, those those guys are important pieces and. You know, I hope that, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know what's going on with their situations, but I hope, uh, um, you know, that we have uh, a group like that, um, you know, in the years to come. There's Jeff Petrie hoping that uh, Deneau and Tatar and Gallagher can uh, can be brought back long term as he's he's back. Jeff Petrie's sticking around. Uh, Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alferi. We're with you till noon. 
And uh, just a reminder that we will be talking soccer. We will be talking impact with the Impact's Assistant Sporting Director, uh, Vasily Kremenzidis, just after 11.05. Uh, Jason Paul of uh, Wave Intel uh, will join us to talk Habs and hockey analytics. We'll keep it simple. I promise it's not going to be math class. I wasn't very good in math either, uh, but we'll make it easy for you to understand. Uh, Jason will join the show uh, just after 10.35 to talk, talk to us about the numbers uh, surrounding the Canadians in the analytics community. Uh, but the uh, Saturday sports poll question of the day, which you can vote on on Twitter at Joey Alfieri and at TSN 690. Uh, how do you feel about Jeff Petrie's contract extension now that you've had a night to sleep on it? Your options are bargain for the Habs, perfectly fair, too much money, or too much term, and leading the way decisively 66% think it's a perfectly fair deal for both sides i already told you i probably would have voted d on this one i think it's it's just it's one year too many for me but had i been mark bergevin i probably would have given up that deal i would have conceded uh, that extra year just to make sure that jeff petrie was back with the montreal canadians so uh, the defense i mean listen a trade could still be made I think Mark Bergevin's, you know, again, we say this every year, but with a lot of picks, some cap space, and the, you know, the draft coming up, he's obviously going to try to make a splash. And I think, you know, maybe a Victor Mete or Brett Kulak finds themselves, you know, out of town. But for the most part, the defense is now set. This is what the defense is going to look like uh, long term, too, with uh, with Weber. Sherratt's got two more years left on his deal. We know about the Petrie extension. Edmondson just signed. They've got a couple youngsters, too. Romanov's coming in. So long-term, uh, you kind of know what the Canadians' defense is going to look like. We'll talk more Habs a little bit later on. I also, uh, speaking of the Habs, uh, the buyout window opened up yesterday at 5 p.m., and we saw the Senators put uh, forward Bobby Ryan on waivers uh, with the intention of buying out his contract. I know there's a lot of people that are speculating uh, that, hey, Canadians should do the same with Carl Alsner. But I'll la- a little later on, I'll tell you why it doesn't make sense to buy Carl Alsner out this offseason. So I think the Canadians, uh, if they want to handle this um, from a business standpoint, it doesn't make sense. Uh, If they want to do Carl Alsner a favor, which I don't, I mean, no offense, I I like Carl Alsner, but I don't see why they would do that. Uh, We'll talk about that later on, but I don't think the Canadians are buying out uh, Carl Alsner. According to reports out of Italy, the Montreal Impact were linked to Kevin Prince Boateng, formerly of AC Milan, and very briefly, Barcelona. He ended up signing with Monza in the Italian second division. But would that type of acquisition have made sense for the impact? This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri. to make sure that I put the best team out there in terms of injuries that we have at the minute. Guys that are heavy legs, because you, uh, that was before, that's not only the three games, we played three games before that. That's the second weeks that we're doing that. Uh, so it is not easy. Uh, like I said to you, we are away from home. 
uh, once again, not to look for any excuses, but that's the condition that we have right now. That's Impact Manager Terry Henry. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon. We will talk to Impact Assistant Sporting Director Vasily Kremenzidis uh, just after 11.05 to talk uh, all things soccer in this city. A reminder, the Impact back in action tomorrow night at Red Bull Arena. You can hear that game on TSN 690 with Olivier Brett and Grant Needham. Uh, that one gets going with coverage at 6 o'clock. The pregame show uh, kickoff just after 7, and then we will have the full postgame show here uh, on TSN 690 as well. Uh, but mentioned it a little bit earlier on. Was uh, a little surprised to see that the Impact were in the mix for a big name player, if you're a you know if you're a soccer fan, uh, a European soccer fan, uh, Kevin Prince Boateng is certainly a name uh, that you will recognize. Uh, represented Germany at the uh, youth international level. Uh, now represents Ghana. He's a guy who spent quite a bit of time with uh, AC Milan, a cup of coffee uh, with Barcelona. Anyway, the Impact apparently were in the mix uh, for his services and uh, got to talking to some Impact fans on Twitter last night. Some were uh, really excited about the potential of you know the, the team looking that way for a veteran. Uh, he is 33 years old, and uh, he's, he's versatile. He can play in the midfield, can play that uh, center attacking midfield role. He's also played a little bit up top. He scored some of the outrageous goals. Uh, I'm sure you've seen. Uh, if you haven't, you can type his statement to YouTube. He does like to score uh, from distance as well. Um, yeah, he's the thing that kind of caught my eye was that he's 33 years old. And from my perspective, I think if you look at it and what the impact have done, even over just the last couple, like the last couple months since Olivier Renard's been here as sporting director, uh, they went and brought in younger talent, right? Like they've brought in Louis Binks. Uh, they've signed uh, Mustafa Kiza, who's a Ugandan left back, uh, who hasn't joined the team just yet. So a lot of their moves are with youth in mind. Uh, but it's interesting to me that they would be looking for immediate help in somebody like a Kevin Prince Boateng. And it doesn't end up working out because Boateng signed with uh, Monza in the Italian second division. And they've recently been promoted to that second division, by the way. And it it wasn't surprising to me that he did that. I mean, he's he's been, you know, he's played in Italy uh, for a while, and of course, while at Milan, uh, he did play for Christian Brocchi, uh, who's the coach uh, at Monza right now. He was the coach. Uh, I think Boateng played for him for a year, so he's familiar with him. Uh, of course, there's uh, Monza chairman Adriano Galliani, who was at Milan as well. The Berlusconis, who owned Milan. Uh, Silvio owned Milan. They're involved. Uh, Silvio and Paolo Berlusconi are involved with Monza now, uh, trying to get Monza uh, to Serie A in the first division this season. They'll see if they can do that, if they can uh, be uh, promoted. Uh, so I think the reason why you're seeing Boateng opt for second division in Italy over the Montreal Impact, I think there's a lot less uh, risk, right? Like you're familiar with the with some of the people who are in charge there, and it's also you don't have to pack up your family and move to a different country. Um, I think, you know, in my mind, I think if the money was anywhere similar, if I was him, I'd probably go to Monza as well, and I wouldn't have opted for this a new ch- especially if he has a young family, uh, I wouldn't have opted for a you know cross pond across the pond uh, venture uh, into MLS. Um, but you know that being said, I mean if the money was right for the Montreal Impact, I certainly would have been interested. Um, and I think that's kind of what happened here. I don't think they were willing to, in my opinion anyway, I don't think they were willing to pay too high of a price. 
And one of the talking points uh, yesterday afternoon when this news came out uh, from uh, it was a report out of Italy, and somebody one of the one Impact fan tweeted me, "Well, I'm happy to know that you know they're willing to spend money on a third designated player." Uh, if it you know if it comes down to that, and I don't think Kevin Prince Boateng at this stage of his career anyway, uh, I don't think he's a designated player. And I think had the impact made him a designated player and and paid him the big money to be a superstar, I think he definitely would have come over. But you know, if I'm the impact, I look at this and I say to myself, all right, he's 33. If we can get him at a reasonable deal. Then sure, why not bring in somebody you know another veteran who can help stabilize the ship. Uh, a little bit here in these rocky times, and you bring him in on a on a short term deal, and I think if that's what they were looking for, then it makes sense. You know, if they wanted to to hand out you know big money to Kevin Prince Boateng, I just. But in the end, I mean, he didn't. He doesn't end up landing here, so I don't think they were offering big money. Because I think if they did offer big money, then I think he would have come. This is assuming that all this is true, by the way. But usually the reports uh, out of Europe are fairly accurate, especially once a player is already signed. And he has signed, uh, Kevin Prince Boateng has, uh, with Monza. So there's no reason to, you know, there's no reason to to fudge the the story because he's already found a new landing spot. I don't think this is an agent uh, trying to leak stuff to drum up interest. He's already found the club. Uh, but from an impact perspective, I don't think he would have been a, a star designated player. I just, I, I don't see that at this stage of his career, just given the, you know, the level of production he's had uh, over the last couple of seasons. Uh, out in Italy and and throughout Europe and at the right price I I probably would have brought him in too it's something that I definitely would have looked into uh, we'll ask assistant sporting director of the Montreal Impact Vasily Kremenzidis about that uh, at 11.05 and again Impact Soccer back on TSN 690 tomorrow night uh, pregame coverage beginning at 6 as the Impact take on the New York Red Bulls. The Canadiens' defense looks pretty set with the re-signing of Jeff Petrie and the acquisition of Joel Edmondson. Are they better? Are they worse? We'll tell you what the analytics say, and we're going to present it to you in a manner that's easy to understand. This is Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. From my early uh, time in the league, it was always a it was always a special place and always a fun place to to come to. And um, you know, it was always when I was with Edmonton, it was always my favorite favorite building to come and play in. And um, you know, to do that, you know, 41 times a year is uh, you know it doesn't it doesn't wear off. the The atmosphere is still second to none. And um, you know, ultimately got to play got to play in the playoffs which it for me I didn't think it could get any better and and then playing in that in the playoffs it, it does it gets it gets elevated to to a level that I've I've never experienced before there's Jeff Petrie from his zoom call yesterday the Montreal Canadiens defenseman inking a four-year extension worth 6.25 million per season this is Saturday sports on TSN 690 Joey Alfieri with you till noon just a reminder uh, we will be talking to former Alouettes all-star linebacker Timothy Strickland, just after 11.35. Uh, I'm sure you'll have a story or two uh, talking about the uh, the late, great Don Matthews, so really looking forward to that. But right now, pleasure to welcome to the show from waveintel.org. He's my go-to analytics follow on Twitter. It's Jason Paul. Jason, what's going on, man? How you doing? Good, man. How are you, Joey? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for doing this. 
uh, love the Pleasure. the work, love the work that you do, the, all the the graphs and charts. And uh, the the great thing is, uh, for those who don't follow you at at Wave Intel on Twitter, um, they wouldn't know this. But I'm I'm not a I'm not a math guy. I was never good at math and never really good with numbers. Um, but you know, I have uh, studied some analytics more and more as they become a little more present in hockey. But I've got to tell you, um, I love the stats that you bring to the table, and I think you present them in a way. Um, that's very fair and very easy to understand for the average fan. Thanks, Joey. I mean, that, that was the point of uh, what I was trying to achieve with some of these graphs. And and my most famous one is the versus comparison one. And uh, that is, that's what I try to do. I try to stay between the analytics community and the old school normal fan. So I try to present it in a way that's, you know, got 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 still has the goals on it, right? Not just uh, expected goals and that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, and and that's why I'm saying, like, I I think even with, you know, your your tweets are pretty clear, but the the graphs and the charts, like, it's not cluttered. It's it's very easy to understand. So that's uh, at Wave Intel uh, on Twitter. All right, some of the stuff I want to get into, uh, Jay. Uh, this Jeff Petrie extension, four years, six point two five million per year. Uh, when I first saw it, I mentioned off the top of the show, I thought it was uh, one year too long, but it, it has nothing to do with his play. It has everything to do with his age. But at the end of the day, if that was the sticking point, and I'm Mark Bergevin, I probably would have given in to that too. But overall, uh, Petrie's performance over the last couple of years, do you think this is a, a fair deal for both sides? And do the numbers make sense to you? I do. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Petrie. I think he's a, a stud, and he, he's the modern-day NHL defenseman. And, and his analytic stats actually prove that. Uh, Possession-wise, he carries the play. Uh, he's moving the puck out of the zone. Uh, over the course of the past uh, couple of years, I've noticed that his decision-making has gotten quite good. And if you're Mark Bergevin, you look at the guy, he, he's, a, he's a thoroughbred. You know, like he doesn't get injured. He looks like he's a his legs or tree trunks. So I think he's got a long career. And the extra year that you mentioned for me, uh, when it comes to cap issues, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that thinks that you don't really have cap issues if you're signing a good player. You have a cap issue if you sign a player that you cannot trade down the line or you can't play, right? And Jeff Petrie, I mean, if it gets to the end of his career and uh, he's still the third or fourth or fifth defenseman, that's fantastic for the Habs. All right. Uh, so he's Jason Paul, waveintel.org. He's my go-to follow for hockey analytics on Twitter at Wave Intel. Um, so, listen, we heard from Joel Edmondson, I think that was last week when he signed the extension with the Canadians, that... Uh, they've told him that it's they're going to start out anyway with Edmondson and Petrie as a second pairing. And look, a lot can change between now and whenever training camp and the season starts. But how do you feel about that as Montreal's second pairing? Like, what do the numbers show with that? I, I like it. I think it's it's good for for Petrie. I think you saw the stats I, I pumped out uh, during the playoffs, the zone exits and the zone entries. And it's clear when you see those stats, you see that. In a pair, there's always one that is deferred to for either the zone entries or the zone exits. You don't have, you know, uh, Sherratt and Weber topping out on their zone exits and, and zone entries in, firm, in terms of uh, attempts. So I think the Kulak-Petrie pair may have been, uh, you know, not perfect in the sense that they're both similar, right? Kulak wants to rush the puck and so does Petrie. So I think Edmondson there is, is clearly a defensive defenseman. He's going to defer to Petrie and there's going to be no 
uh, you know, no questions asked. Just going to Petrie, he's moving the puck up and out. Yeah, I, I think those are, are clearly, yeah, if you're putting Edmonton and Petrie together, those roles are clearly defined, right? Like, there's no confusing. I know Joel Edmondson put up, I think he had like 20-odd points last year, but that was, I think even he said that was kind of a, a career year uh, type of thing. Yeah. And I don't know if you can count on those numbers again, but with Edmondson, when the signing broke, it was just, it was funny to me, uh, Jay, because... I, I, I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at some of the advanced numbers, and it, it, they're not all pretty. Like you know, we're not we're, we're not going to lie. But you know, I saw some people, and this is where I think I'm open minded to analytics, and I, and I use them as a tool, and obviously you do too. But I think this is where the analytics community kind of loses the casual fan. Is you know, I saw tweets uh, that said that Joel Edmondson is one of the worst defensemen in the NHL, and I, I clearly I, I can't get on board with that take, um, and. It's a terrible signing. Uh, they overpaid by a couple. Mi- like you saw all these tweets. So overall, yeah. this Edmondson. Like, what numbers uh, are people concerned about? Like, what do the numbers say regarding Edmondson? And and where are your concerns? And what do you like about the signing of Edmondson in that addition? Well, when it comes to the analytics, um, I think part of the confusion is, and not confusion is, the simple question of what is defense, and the analytics community really um, revolves around possession, which is defined by shot attempts. So when you're on the ice, right. uh, if you have more shot attempts, then that's great. You don't want less shot. You, you don't want the other team to have uh, more shot attempts, right? But so a, a player like Mete, for example, and this, this is where you get confusion as well on Twitter quite a bit about the analytics. His numbers come out to be very good defensively, uh, you know, even better than the Sherratt, for example, right? But the reason why his, his stats look good is because he spends more of the time out of the zone, right? So if he's deployed as a fifth and sixth defenseman, I'm talking about Mete here, um, you know, his job is to get out and keep it in the other team's zone, and then he gets off the ice. So at the end of the year, his, his numbers wash out defensively very, very good. Whereas you have a defensive defenseman like Sherratt, um, they, they kind of play, the Habs play a rope-a-dope style, which is they a player like Sherrod dials the offense risk right down, right? He's mm-hmm. not pinching that much. He's, right. he's not going to have an odd man rush. So his defensive stats at the end of the year are not going to look great, his possession stats. But but the tough time I have with the analytics community is that's how he's deployed, and that's how that's how Julian wants... He If you came to Julian to look, you know, Sherrod's uh, uh, shot attempts are, you know, 48%, which means the other team has, when he's on the ice, they have 52%. Right. I think Julian's happy about that because that's his job, right? He spends more time in his zone, and I think they're going to expect uh, Edmondson to do the same thing. And so his stats, when I look at Edmondson's, at Edmondson's stats, that's exactly how they show to me. The defenseman, that is, he gets deployed defensively. He gets deployed against the top lines quite a bit when I look back at the, at, at the data. And he's also a big a big thing here, which separates him from some of the other Habs uh, defensemen like Kulak. Is he's a big penalty killer. Kulak didn't do any penalty any penalty killing. Right. He's Jason Are Paul. You? Sorry about that, Jay. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, is that is that what you think? Is that how you wash it out? What's yeah, the, that's how that's how I kind of see it. That's how I kind of see it too. Like, I get possession is important, but in hockey, it's just it's not everything. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, if I can build my team around guys, we're going to take. And the Canadians are like this in general, right? Like we know 
that the Canadians at 5-on-5 are a very good possession team. Right? So they generate a lot of shot attempts. But if you watch, I still think they have a hard time generating from very dangerous areas. Like I have I think they have a hard time getting into the slot. And I, I think that's why you just you need to be it's an example of why you need to be careful with shot attempts. Because shot attempts are great. And yeah, get the puck on net. You never know. You can score from anywhere. But over the course of an eighty two game season, like you never know is you know, it you, you get you know, you, you limit maybe some of the quality scoring chances that uh, a team that maybe doesn't shoot the puck as much but gets higher danger chances, that I think they'd be in a better spot than you over 82 games, right? Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look how they beat the Penguins, right? Uh, you know, Sherratt, his stats did not come out very nicely at the end right. of that series, right? Right. But if you ask the Montreal Canadiens and, and Julian, they're going to pat that guy on the back and say, job well done. Like, yeah. you... You left the ice playing against uh, Crosby or Malkin every time. Uh, and, yeah, so you, you didn't win the, the shot attempts, but you allowed us to stay to compete against the rest of the team, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, it's Jason Paul, waveintel.org, and at waveintel on Twitter. Uh, he's uh, my go-to follow for uh, hockey analytics on there. Uh, all right, so, look, we know free agency opens on October 9th. Um, I don't know if the Canadians are going to be active. Obviously, everybody's pointing to Taylor Hall and that possibility. And I just, I'm not sure how I feel about committing a long term to uh, to a guy like Taylor Hall. Uh, but is there someone out there in free agency that you think uh, that you've studied, that you've seen, that you think would be a really good fit for this team? I, I'm assuming that you know the the defense is set, the goaltending is set, so. You need to find goals. Is Taylor Hall the ideal fit for you, or is there somebody else, maybe better bargain out there in your mind? Uh, I mean, I I like what Paul Mary does. Um, you know, he's a, he's a trigger man on on the power play. The Habs need to fix the power play. The Habs need to fix. I've been saying it uh, during the course of the year. I mean, everybody wants Tory Krug. Everybody wants Taylor Hall. Everybody wants right. you know uh, Suzuki to turn into. Uh, the best player in the league, but reality is until you get those stars on your team, you need to play strong at the basics of the game. And they failed with specialty teams. And to me, that's, that's first penalty kill. That's the easier one to fix. You would think, right. right. And then the next one is the power play, which is you know a little bit more difficult to fix. So I think Joel Edmondson is, is part of the, the, the penalty killing solution Yeah. on the power play. Yeah, so... <laughs> Palmieri, I don't know. Kyle Palmieri Palm- in New Jersey, he's got a year left on his deal. He's going to be UFA. I I mean, I'd like to believe that Palmieri's going to want to win at some point. I don't know how close the yeah. Devils are. Uh, so maybe, you know, he's UFA after next year. So maybe that's, you know, that's an interesting one. That's a name I like. Um, look, they, they, there's no doubt that they need a quarterback. They need somebody who can carry the puck, you know, into the zone, I think, in, in a controlled manner with regularity. Um, but at the same time, once you're set up in the zone, you know, like for, I, I like the Washington Capitals example, right, Jay? Like, yeah, Sovechkin is the trigger man, and the Canadians could use a trigger man for sure. But a lot of it, when he's healthy, goes through Backstrom on the half wall, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the Canadians are, are lacking, or they were lacking this year in that area. Do you think Nick Suzuki could be that guy that the power play goes through him on the half wall? Definitely. I think Nick Suzuki's got all the all the tools. Um, one of the graphs I do shows um, power play prowess, which basically shows uh, your ability to score and your ability to to set up. And he mm-hmm. he is right in that nice zone with some of these other 
top end players where he's a double threat, right? So he can score and he can and pass. I, I think they are set. And that's maybe one of the reasons why maybe they shouldn't go out and spend big bucks on someone like Taylor Hall is because they got they got some really nice things brewing there. Right. Um, and the power play issue to me, when you look at the analytics piece again, is where are they getting their shots from, where are they deferring from. And unfortunately, they are one of those teams that, that play their that defer to the point. And that is a death trap <laughs> for a power play. Yeah. It's changed, right? So, like you, often, you know, we saw the old, you know, and not even the old time. I mean, old times. Like, uh, like even if you go back like ten, fifteen years, like a lot of it was funneling back to the point and, and shooting out from far. And and as hard as that Weber shot, as heavy as it is, it's. I mean, a lot of the damage is done in close, right? Yeah, and it's not even in close. There's lots of lots of studies and research done that it's it's not about being in close. It's actually about the lateral passes, right? The cross crease passes, moving the goalie making as much confusion as possible for the defenders. And they just don't do that by deferring to the point. It, it's it, it, You're just making it a luck game by shooting from the point and hoping that something happens, right? Jay, thanks for doing this, man. Really appreciate you taking the time, and hopefully we can chat again down the line. Pleasure. Thanks, Joey. Have a uh, good day, man. Yeah, you too. That's uh, Jason Paul, waveintel.org. He's at waveintel on Twitter. Uh, and if you're interested in picking up on the uh, Montreal Canadiens and analytics chatter, uh, Jason presents it in a way that's uh, very simple, very easy to di- digest, really, really easy to uh, understand as well. Uh, so that's at Wave Intel on Twitter. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, one win away from hoisting the Stanley Cup for the first time since 2004. Will they get the job done tonight, or do the Stars find a way to extend the series? And how about that controversy at the end of last night's game? This is Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. Kirk right circle. Shoot! Shankirk! The Lightning win it! They win game four! Three, five, five four in overtime! They lead the Stanley Cup final three games to one! Yeah, the Lightning one win away from their second Stanley Cup in franchise history. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon. We're just a couple minutes away uh, from Vasily Kremenzidis, the sporting direct, assistant sporting director of the Montreal Impact, uh, joining us to talk a little soccer. Uh, but wanted to get to that game last night. Kevin Shankirk with the winner, as we heard on the way in. And uh, the game wasn't without controversy. This is uh, Jamie Benz quote-unquote tripping penalty uh, on Tyler Johnson in overtime is, uh, has been the topic of debate uh, since it happened last night. And <laughs> I, it's just, it's funny to me. Like, in my mind, I would have let that go. Um, I do think the back official thought that there was, that, that Jamie Ben kicked out and he kicked the skates from out of Tyler Johnson. Uh, but if you look at the replay, you look at it and you look closely uh, yeah, sure, the skate kind of moves towards uh, Tyler Johnson's skate, but he never actually clips him. Now, you could have also called holding if you wanted to on that play, but I just I think at that stage of overtime, I, I don't know if, if that's a call I would have made. Now, keep in mind, um, the <laughs> one of the reasons why I think it definitely was called is because Mikhail Sergachev took that penalty at the start of overtime uh, to give uh, the Stars the the four on three and the couple seconds of five on four uh, power play, and they, they couldn't connect. The special teams again was the difference. We know coming into the series, uh, one of the big talking points, one of the big question marks I had for Tampa Bay was their power play. Uh, it struggled in game one, they exploded in game two, and they go three for four last night. And you heard the winner coming in, Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, that was a power play goal. 
uh, in overtime for the for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who, uh, yeah, now they have a stranglehold. I picked the Stars to win. I had the Stars in seven, and I've got to tell you, if I'm Dallas, I'm a little bit worried. Uh, it's cool that they came back uh, to take a uh, to take that to draw four four. Uh, Joe Pavelski's second of the game uh, in the third period tied the game, but. Dallas is a team that, yes, they've been able to score in these playoffs, but they're a team that's built on defense first. And, you know, once they scored the first two goals of the game in the first period, I'm like, all right, the Stars should be able to lock this down. The fact that they weren't able to lock it down and secure the win, that kind of has me nervous going into tonight. Uh, Anton Hudobin looks gassed. He just he doesn't look like the same guy since game two of the series. And, oh, by the way, Game five to save your season, extend the series is tonight. I I don't see how you can not go to Hudobin if you're the Stars. But man, this is going to be tough. It, it Tampa Bay has all the momentum. They're the better team, and yes, it ends in controversy last night. But just I mean, just the fact that everybody seems to be pretty split about this penalty call. Again, I personally I wouldn't have called it. If you look at it as an isolated incident, I don't think I, I'll let Jamie Ben and Tyler Johnson, you know, fight for the puck, and I'll give Ben the benefit of the doubt just because he is so much bigger and so much stronger than Johnson. But I certainly understand the mindset of the official that you know gave the Stars a power play early in overtime. You have you know a play that could go either way, penalty, no penalty. So you want to. You know, again, this is the the NHL officials' mentality is to even things up on the power play. So I, I understand that. Uh, it's just it's such a pivotal game. It's a huge game four that really swings the balance of the series. I mean, it's either two two or three one heading into a, a, a you know again the second game in two nights. Yeah, again, isolated incident. I I didn't. I, I probably let that go. I see why they called it, but yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I agree. And clearly the stars didn't agree with the call after the game. You know, the refs got a tough job. I, I see it. It's in front of Kelly. He's got a great look at it. The back ref calls it. I don't have a I mean a ton of time for a play where Tyler Johnson steps in front of Jamie Benn and has no real effect in the in the play. And, you know, Jamie breathes on him and the guy falls over. It's whether that's the case or not. There's a little, you know, battle going on there. But it, it's playoffs. It's overtime. We expect, you know, five on five. Expect to battle it out, and we got to call it ends. It's unfortunate, um, but it doesn't change our mindset. We were had a thought that there's a good chance this would be a long series, and we have to do a job to go and extend it now. Yeah, that's Joe Pavelski who scored a, a pair after uh, in Game Four. Uh, yesterday and uh, yeah again I think if the penalty on Sergachev isn't called at the start of overtime I don't think they call the Jamie Ben one but still I mean it, it happened at a crucial moment of not just the game but of the series uh, here's head coach Rick Bonus. I saw two guys going for a loose puck one their guy hooking our guy and our guy trying to fight through the hook there was two guys going for a loose puck that's a hockey play that's what I saw. I looked at the replay a couple of times, and it's two two guys just in, in the playoffs, and you're going for a loose puck. And they're hooking us, and we're fighting through the hook. That's what I saw. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Stars are going to see it that way. Uh, for John Cooper and the Tampa Bay Lightning, look, again, I, I, picked, I picked 
Dallas to win the series. Been rooting for Dallas to win. I just I like the way the team's made up, and I think if you listen to the station, you know I'm a big fan of Rope Hints, who, by the way, I got hurt in last night's game. And with the quick turnaround, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be available to go tonight, uh, but that was definitely scary, him crashing into the boards. You're listening to the home of... Yeah, that shouldn't happen. Uh, crashing into the boards. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder... You know, I wonder if Hintz is going to be able to go. But if he can't, do the Stars have enough? Do the Stars have enough to claw their way back uh, into the series? And my gut instinct right now, even though I picked them, <laughs> is to say no. And again, it comes down to just not being able to lock down that 2 nothing lead. And that's something that they've been... Yes, they've been able to come back. You know, they've been able to come from behind uh, in these playoffs. But the thing is, they've also... When they've had a lead, they've been able to lock it down for the most part. And also, the Tampa Bay power play is clicking. Yeah, it's a problem, especially with uh, a short turnaround. We talked about the Italian reports that linked the impact to midfielder Kevin Prince-Boateng and how close they were to landing him. The impact's assistant sporting director, Vasily Kremanzidis, will tell us just how close they were. This is Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690.